welcome to the CDO Magazine interview series. I'm Chris Ner, Chief Digital Officer of Synity, a world leader in enterprise data software. And we're partnering with CDO Magazine, MIT CDO IQ, and the International Society of Chief Data Officers to bring you this series of interviews with thought leaders in data and analytics. Today, I have the tremendous pleasure of speaking with Ken Dunn, formerly a principal data manager who was directly supporting a number of chief data officers at BP, now managing director of Data Vital, a CDO, MDM, data integration and data architecture boutique consulting firm. Ken's got a strong background in information technology uh, spanning over the course of 30 years, broad expertise in data architecture, information management, big data, advanced analytics and information security. Uh, as noted, he was with, uh, with BP for many years working across upstream and downstream businesses. Ken's also active in the industry standards movement and was chair of the International Oil and Gas Producers Digitalization and Information Standards Subcommittee and uh, president of DAMA Houston for four years. Uh, welcome, Ken. Terrific to have you on the uh, the podcast today, and I'm really excited for our conversation. Hi, Chris. Yes, really looking forward to the discussion. Super. So um, maybe let's let's dive right in. Can can you give us a, a sense of when you were, um, you know, those many years at BP? What was the scope of your organization, and and what was your brief at BP? Right. So so BP is an enormous company, um, a uh, a global energy company, and uh, in recent years they've expanded beyond just oil and gas. So uh, you need to start thinking of um, these large multinationals that are uh, focusing on production of energy. And that means that they have gone through an enormous shift in, uh, uh, in the way they are thinking about their business. And as a data professional supporting that business, um, we've gone through a big shift as well in terms of uh, making sure we can uh, still support the evolving business. Um, yeah. I started off in data when I was um, uh, back in the days of data warehousing and have followed it through the various iterations of um, uh, data warehousing and data lake and data virtualization um, and, uh, and looking at, uh, at all the different aspects of, uh, of data. Perfect. Now that, that's very helpful context. Thank you. So, and and, and uh, I'm, I know we've all heard the um, the tagline BP Beyond Petroleum. So you know, to your point, it, you know, a lot, of, a lot of transformation in terms of the the thinking and the the vision and the strategy, which is which is very uh, you know very intriguing. Um, so on on top of that transformation that that BP was going through anyway. And on top of the fact that energy is a cyclical sector, um, very capital intensive, enormous companies, to your point, very, very mature strategic business and strategic capital planning processes compared to a lot of, of industries. How did that how did the strat planning process and roadmap survive the turmoil of 2020? Uh, you know, was because it's very interesting from an industry perspective that the high level of maturity and then, you know, sort of these unprecedented black swan events that we don't need to go uh, into in great detail. But but were you you know, were you prepared to catch the pitch that was thrown, uh, if you will? 
Well, as prepared as um, any organization, I think um, um, the oil industry had three things converge in 2020. Uh, there was COVID that everyone had. There was um, the pressure on the on the price of oil, um, and uh, then there was um, the low carbon future. And the three things came together in 2020 that really accelerated the plans for for change and really made the the whole company think about. Um, where do you invest? How do you invest? Um, how do you exploit your data? How do you get more value out of that data? And uh, and so I think it was more an acceleration of the plans that were in place, um, and you know a, a relentless focus on uh, on profitability as well. I mean the uh, I think all companies uh, face that uh, that dilemma, uh, but. Uh, I'll, I'll, even more so in the oil and gas industry. Yeah, uh, no, that makes sense. Absolutely. And the it, it's an interesting uh, perspective on kind of the triple threat that you faced. And, you know, obviously the 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 price shock and the demand shock was very significant. And, and you know, that caused many different industries. And we saw this in our, our own client base to sort of retrench and, you know, have a core focus on profitability. And in some cases, uh, unfortunately, even on, you know, remaining solvent and liquid to uh, to fund ongoing operations. So just sticking with that theme of the strat planning process, were there, you know, if you think about the connection point of you know, strat planning, capital planning, how data is used in that process, you know, were there some key learnings, some things that, you know, even even with the, the, the perfect storm and being probably as well prepared as you could have been, as well as any industry could be, were, were there some learnings from a strat planning process related to how to best utilize data that were, uh, were significant? Yeah, so bringing it back, right back to my area of expertise, and that is data. And, um, and the importance of the role of the chief data officer in ensuring that um, data is on the minds of the executives of the company when they're doing their strategic planning. Um, BP was such a big company that they uh, decided to break the, the um, uh, business up and they had... Uh, uh, four separate CDOs within the company looking at different aspects of the business. And, and that made a lot of sense because the um, impact uh, of all the change in 2020 was quite different on our production business um, and, the, uh, and the, effectively the manufacturing side than it was on the customer side. So if you look at um, look at those two separately on the production side, it was all about efficiency and moving into new um, new areas. And then on the customer side, it was looking at the retail sites and how you uh, how you evolve a retail site into the uh, uh, into the new world. So you don't want to just offer the old um, um, gas, you also want to offer electric charging. And so 
the retail site is evolving. And if you think about um, uh, what's coming in the, um, uh, in the mobility industry, uh, autonomous vehicles are coming. And then you want your retail site to also move into uh, servicing and maintenance of, uh, of autonomous vehicles. So it, it's a, um, those two businesses are completely different. They have separate CDOs that are integrally involved in the uh, uh, strat planning for the company and bring to bear the, um, the thinking about how do you exploit your data assets in this rapidly evolving world. So that, let me just replay that, and then I have a question that builds on that. I think that's really, really fascinating. So your point, your point, uh, you know, the 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 needs are very different according to the business area. So whereas on the retail side, you know, your 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 commercial organization might be kind of leading the charge and thinking about, look, the market's changing. I need to figure out how to bring my data assets to bear in order to drive new commercial value, new offerings, and respond to a change in the market. On the, the upstream or the supply side of the business, the, the, you know, the line of business executives, even, on, even commercially, they're going to be much more focused on cost improvement projects or CIPs on economies of scale on how to leverage, you know, for example, streaming data, everything you have in that asset base to really, you know, keep everything running. And so that 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 can be maintained efficiently and cost effectively. So it's almost like diametrically opposed thought processes, depending on which area of the business that, that you're, you're thinking about. Yeah. But the common thread is to identify what data is critical to your business and yeah. then how do you exploit yeah. that data. So yeah. and, and, and just so, so because I, I, I do a lot of this work myself and I find that, you know, companies often struggle with this. So when you, when you identify the data, are, are you doing that within, you know, kind of the construct of one of those large business areas or lines of biz, business on kind of a defined value driver scheme or value driver analysis so that you'll start with something like uh, pick something germane to oil and gas, like fixed asset utilization, right? Yeah. So that you'll, you'll say, look, my macro is fixed asset utilization. And then beneath that, I've got, you know, N number of value drivers. And then those value drivers are physically made up of data which feeds those so that if you know my data is poorly governed my data is a mess i can't properly feed those those metrics and i can't understand how my subsidiary value drivers are performing so i can't get to my fixed asset utilization is that absolutely that's the thinking uh, and uh, and so yes you 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 know from the business what those key metrics and key drivers are and then you look at ways that you can utilize data to improve them. And, uh, and you know, in the, on the fixed asset side, um, the availability of our facilities is one of the things that everyone in that part of the business focuses on, including the people that are um, the CDO and the people that are supporting the CDO. So how can you use the uh, streaming data coming off the equipment to um, uh, improve the, you know, do preventative maintenance, improve the availability of that key metric and, uh, and you know, make a direct contribution to it. 
And and do you do, have have you found these one one thing that's been thematic in a lot of the the, the CDO focused interviews that I've had is is educating business leaders and and let's say non data technology leaders on how the on on the connection of the value of clean data to the KPIs to the business outcomes. What's your experience been been with that? Easy, hard, varies. Um, critical, but hard. <laughs> okay, so no, no different. So, no different. so you've got to you've got to make sure that your CDO is a full partner um, at the executive table, and that that um, you know the CDO doesn't just do what the other executives tell them to do. He has to bring new ideas. And let me give you an example. And that, um, that, that, you know, a lot of the executives may not have thought about. And that is um, um, we have a lot of, um, or, or BP have, has a lot of um, ROV videos, so videos that are taken from um, the submersible submarines that are going around looking at the, uh, the state of the facilities uh, beneath the surface. And, um, and, hey, we, you know, we need to have that video for um, uh, compliance reasons. But how can you exploit that video? And so the CDO brings to the table saying, um, with um, AI now, you can do image recognition. So how about we look to see if we can speed up the, uh, the maintenance process and improve the maintenance process by doing automatic detection of corrosion from this subsea video. And that's proving to be a very valuable um, tool uh, for the business to, um, to, to actually utilize this data that we've already got in a new way that uh, people hadn't really thought about before. And so that's something that, that gets brought right to the executive table um, and, and changes the business. So that that's that's fascinating, and and let me let, let me drill into that a little bit more. One one thing that you know I, um, I I noticed in in preparing and in your bio, you've done a lot of work around data lakes, uh, around the architecture, the design of data lakes. So I think you you partly uh, you gave me a hint what the answer is, but I'd love to hear more about this. So when you think about a, a data lake strategy, kind of scope approach. First, maybe just a simple question: What kind of data goes in the data lake? Is it the cool data that you just talked about? You know, the, the those video data objects, or is it like just transactional data, or is it some combination? And and what else? Because I think this is something. Although that the data lake conversation has matured a lot in the last five years, you know, my sense is a, a lot of companies are really still struggling with, you know. Architecture, scope, approach, and then we'll come back to you know the value, which is where we we started this this part of this thread of the conversation. Yeah, so where to start? Yeah, yeah. So, so, it's a, so we, the world, it the was world a ten part question. Evolved. The world has evolved beyond um, a physical construct called a data lake, and at about time too. I mean the. The amount of data that any business has these days is so enormous, you're never going to put it in one physical store. What you need to be able to do is to know the data that you've got and know how to access it 
and how to integrate it. So no, we don't move all the data, all the video data out of the video store that it's in into the data lake. What we do is we make sure that it's appropriately tagged so that you can get to it and then and, and appropriately stored in the video store in such a way that you can do uh, AI analysis of it. Um, and I think that the, this new concept of a, a data fabric, a virtual data lake, um, uh, I think that has a lot of potential to, um, to really bring in all these new types of data um, or, or make, make new types of data available for analysis. And that is a critical part of um, this whole um, uh, driving value out of your data assets. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Focus yeah. on, the, on the fundamentals. You yep. obviously still have to get the fundamentals right, but do it in such a way that you can incrementally expand it into different types of data. Yeah, no, no, that that completely makes sense, and and I, I I agree for the record. I mean, the the emerging best practice is that you know they're 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 data lakes, not data oceans, where you just dump everything. I think what you know I sometimes jokingly call like the you know the Soviet style of of data lake or or master data management, where you bring everything you know together and and manage it centrally, is not uh, it, that that hasn't worked very well in practice, and. You know, what I'm seeing is kind of more of a focus to your point on enlightened decentralization so that you have something more like an agent based architecture, you have the appropriate tagging and so on so that you're not, you know, you're not physically replicating data unless you need to. And and certainly the the um, technical, you know, IPOS tools and so on have greatly enabled that. What what I, I'm, I'm curious about at least from what I've seen, that doesn't necessarily solve, uh, and this is to your comment on fundamental on fundamentals, it doesn't necessarily solve the, the basic data integration or data interoperability problem, right? So just, you know, if you're able to maybe stick with this example, right? Like I have a video and the video is an undersea video and it's a video of, a, of, a, of an asset, right? And the asset is, is serialized the parts within the asset are serialized they have a you know maintenance records and maintenance history so to do my my ai model right part of it is is this it's actually a very simple you know sort of image recognition like a radiology type analysis the 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 part the, the boring part of it in a way is harder is figuring out well like which you know which valve is that what's the maintenance history of that valve and gluing all that together so the thing that I personally feel sometimes gets lost in this, you know, data fabric discussion is, okay, like the nuts and bolts of like, you know, what you call the fundamentals, master data management, you know, do I have good maintenance records and can I glue all of that together somehow? How, what are some of the best practices that you've seen in, in dealing with that, you know, those fundamentals, I guess? Yeah. So um, again, there's a lot to that question. And, yes. Uh, and we Agreed. Uh, and we've got to as as CDOs and architects, we've got to be able to do all those things at once. Um, and you can't just focus on one area, right? You do need to focus on the um, on the storage of the the um, the videos and the yeah. stream data, but you also have to focus on the tagging of it. 
you've also got to focus on the master data behind it. Um, and, uh, and master data management is an ongoing um, um, you know, area of focus that uh, um, I, I don't think anyone's got right yet. And I, we will, you probably will never get it right. You just have to incrementally improve the way you do master data. So um, equipment master data and uh, an associated tag master data is something that um, you know we um, uh, there's there's a whole program of work around that, but it needs to you need to make sure that that is in support of, um, uh, of you know you you understand the use cases in terms of how that master data is going to be used. So yes, absolutely, focus, yeah, absolutely. On, focus on the basics, but not exclusively. Do you do you think? So, so in, in your experience doing this, because I, I agree with you, I mean, I, I think, you know, master data management or what I, I've come to start calling data operations, which is kind of the merging of all this together. It, it's really hard. Um, there aren't very many companies in the world who do it really, really well. Do, do you, is there kind of a, if, if you were, if you were to, to describe whether you think in, in the kind of classic triad, is it more, you know, people and organization? Is it more process or is it more technology? Or is it a combination of all three where yeah. you've seen it work, where you've seen it work poorly and where you've seen it work well? Right. And and uh, it's absolutely a combination of all three, the, the people, process and technology. And you've got to get all three right for it to be successful. And I think that's why we still see so many master data management projects failing um, because IT cannot um, imp uh, implement a master data management solution without strong business support because you do have to change the business process. You do have to educate your data stewards and the folks in the business about um, why the business process is changing and the importance of the data. So it's very much, um, um, I, I in fact like to start with, the, uh, with looking at the business process because I have seen so many MDM projects fail because they haven't looked at the business process. Again, I'll give you a classic example from a, uh, uh, a different domain and that was in uh, our vendor master data. And someone had this brilliant idea that that will improve the quality of our vendor master data by doing it, um, by managing it centrally. Um, guess what? The central guys had no clue what the right value was. So they had to go back to the regional folks. BP operates in, uh, in about 60 different countries. And, and the central team didn't know all the rules. They didn't know all the biz local businesses. And so... Um, they ended up, believe it or not, um, communicating via email. So, you know, sending an email saying what should be in this field and then a week later getting an answer. Um, and so, in fact, the quality went down by centralising. So um, the first thing you have to do is say, who are the subject matter experts? Where is the expertise? How can we design a business process that matches that expertise? Um, once you've got that, then you can say, well, what technology do we need to support uh, this business process? 
Yeah, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. And I'd maybe add to that. By the way, I've read that the book on master data management programs that have not worked um, myself multiple times. Unfortunately, I've also read good versions of the book where it's where it's worked very well. I think that that um, the the business process design, but also the the organization design, and and what I would call the you know sort of the executive level governance design. So given the right. characteristics of the organization and the data, you know, do you want to do centralized? Do you want to do decentralized? Do you want to do federated? And there, there are four or five different kind of standard organizational models, but I've found that all too often p- people do want to jump right into, you know, what's my master data management app? And they want to ignore the difficult alignment work of figuring out like, look, at the end of the day, you know, you want to have all your vendor master data set up so that you have accountability for it. And and this is back to the business value conversation. There's some financial or customer innovation or quality value that's being adduced to having that data, you know, better, faster, more efficiently, that it's not just for the sake of data quality, which is, I, I think, another mistake that people make in doing these programs is to try to do it just on, you know, evangelical data quality as opposed to data quality to do, you know, X or Y business outcome. Yep. And uh, um, I think we, we sometimes, as, as um, professionals in the field, get hung up on words like data governance um, and master data management. But we, you have to keep going to back to, well, what is the fundamental thing that you want? And that is what you need to be successful is you've got to have someone in the business that is prepared to take accountability for the decisions. So whose decision was it that you should centralise the master data? Um, And and I must admit there were everyone ducked for cover when we started (laughs) asking that question. Um, So that's why it's so important up front to get your governance right to say who is going to be accountable for the decisions that this um, program takes. Yeah. Sometimes people want to centralize it until they find out that they have to do all the work and that the work is very complicated. And then they they find that they, you know, they've got buyer's remorse on on a centralization program. I think that that thought process is, is, uh, is very important. Well, let me, um, let me wrap up, uh, uh, Ken, if I can, with with one question. So something that that really um, intrigued me when when I was preparing for our discussion and then in talking to you is you you've got this you've got a deep technical background and and the majority of your career was spent in technical disciplines, but yet you've got this this clarity that I love on connecting technology strategy to business value. That, in my view, is is often is not terribly common among senior folks who've gone down a very deep technical track. So, so what was the magic that happened at some point in your career that was sort of the spark of like, no, it isn't just bits and bytes. It's bits and bytes that add up to customer value or financial value. I think it was the a couple of the projects that we did that were technically successful uh, and that the business said, well, so what? Um, because we hadn't sold the value of the, uh, the work that we were doing. And, and, I, and again, let me give you another example from a few years ago now that is 
the opposite of that, and that is we were doing a data quality program and we were looking at the, the quality of the pipeline data. Um, and, you know, it we just we didn't, you know, it wasn't as if we went out with a specific um, objective and with hindsight we should have. But what we found was um, the pipeline, the poor quality pipeline data was leading to um, paying royalties to the wrong state. And if we hadn't found it and the regulator had found it, there was multi-million dollar fines involved. So, um, you know, if we had started at the other end and saying we really want to make sure that we that we have high quality, accurate um, um, royalty data, so that we know um, uh, what what the uh, that we're paying the right royalties, then we would have been really focused on that problem and uh, and actually solved that business problem rather than just hey improving the quality of the pipeline data. And I, and I think that was that to me was a uh, you know, we, we, were, we were heroes because we had saved the company um, a lot of money. And when I looked at it, we weren't technically, we weren't doing anything different. We sort of got lucky. <laughs> and, uh, um, and then, it, but then it made me realize that, that um, by focusing on the value, then you're going to be seen as a hero rather than someone implementing uh, yet another um, bureaucracy. So, so that that's brilliant. I, I completely agree. And and you know, it's sort of uh, uh, you know what they say about uh, congressional investigations, right? Follow the money. Yep, follow <laughs> the money. It's it's actually not much. And, and the, and the risk, very complicated. The, risk, the the, uh, the the risk of um, uh, of not being in compliance these days is also really critical. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's my no. But uh, so so you know for a long time uh, and and I was formerly at a a, a different uh, Fortune 10 company. You know ev- everything largely comes down to cost, growth, or quality and compliance, right? So, so I always have in my mind when you're starting an initiative, you, you, you know, yeah. if you're, you're asking for significant investment dollars from, you know, businesses that have a lot of competing priorities and, and you, you want to attach your program to one of those outcomes. And then ideally, you know, as in the pipeline example and, and your, uh, the fixed asset example we talked about, Drill down from there, and and I think for you know folks working in the data space and in in CDO organizations, um, you know that's uh, that's that's very powerful. Absolutely, yep, yep. Growth, growth, cost, and risk. Yep, growth, cost, and risk. Yeah. yeah. Um, thank you so much for uh, for joining me uh, today, Ken. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. Can people find you online somewhere if they would uh, like to connect after watching our discussion? Yes, absolutely. Um, so um, my consulting company is called datavital.us. So um, go and have a look at uh, our site and see the services that we offer. Or I'm on LinkedIn as can be done. Excellent. Thank you again so much for our audience. Um, for uh, To, to uh, see additional interviews, please visit cdomagazine.tech. 
And uh, very much enjoyed uh, talking today, Ken. I hope you have a terrific rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good talking to you.